Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, unless you're hiding under a rock, on Thursday we're celebrating what? Thanksgiving. I, for one, really, really like Thanksgiving. It's probably second to Easter in my life and well ahead of Christmas, I'm just going to tell you. Um, and it it's really makes me sad when we live in a world where we just kind of go straight from Halloween right into Christmas um, decorations are everywhere. We're already probably, if you're like me, I mentioned this last week, frazzled thinking about all the stuff you have to buy, all the things you have to do before Christmas gets here. And it seems like Christmas is coming faster than Thanksgiving, which is on Thursday. And it's the season of the year where you and I know that we are supposed to express what emotion? Gratitude, thankfulness. That you and I are supposed to be, this time of year, the kind of people who are able to see God's goodness and his grace in our lives, and we express that in thanksgiving. But oftentimes, you and I are like kids at Christmas who get the black socks from your grandmother. And you get the black socks. It's what, I mean, nobody wants the black socks. If you are shopping now, do not buy black socks. And you get, the, you get the black socks and the little kid and everybody's staring at the kid and the kid's doing their best they can to muster up some sense of gratitude for what they've been given. 
And it's kind of that half-hearted, well, thank you, grandmother, for the, for the black socks. And you and I can feel that way in our own hearts and lives sometimes, can't we? We know we're supposed to be thankful. We know we're supposed to be grateful. But the best that we can do is kind of muster up some half-hearted word of, well, I'm, I'm grateful for fill in the blank. And one of the things that, that makes it hard for you and I to be grateful and thankful people is that we are sometimes prone to look to our right and to our left and see what other people have and then we come back to what we have and we think, well, compared to what they have, this is kind of like black socks. I mean, compared, as good as it might be, and I know I should be grateful for it, but as I compare myself to other people around me, if I'm honest with you, not only ungratitude fills my heart, but a certain amount of envy. Envy. Envy is one of those words that just when you say it, it makes you feel bad. Envy. That you and I would not be able to be content with the many ways that God has prepared um, us to walk in his blessings and to yield our lives to his purposes. And rather than look at all that God has done for us, we look at what he's done for others and we're filled with envy. This is the last sermon that I get to preach in the parable series. Mark's going to bring us home next Sunday. This is my last chance to be in the parable series. And it has been, for me, both wonderful and challenging that there's some stories that I wish Jesus hadn't told because they're a little bit too convicting for me in my spiritual condition at the moment and this is one of those parables for me Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a house who went out early to hire day laborers to work in his vineyard this would have been a common practice in Jesus's day that there would be day laborers out waiting to be hired, and the going rate for a day laborer was a denarius. Now, this person who owned this land was not being incredibly generous. Um, one denarius was not exactly like this person was going to be able to go out and buy Thanksgiving lunch for the whole family. It was just enough for the day, which is why in the law... God stressed that each day the day labor needed to be paid because that person was going to go home and use that that day. So he says, hey, come work in my vineyard. At the end of the day, I'll give you a denarius. And then apparently the job was too big. He needed more day laborers. And he continues to go out to the market and hire people. And it's interesting to me, at least, when Jesus goes out at the third hour, he says, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. Whatever's right. The people who were hired the third hour had to have a certain amount of trust in this landowner, correct? There had to be a certain amount that this person is a righteous person, that I'm going to go out and whatever is right, I will get. And then he repeats the process even up to the 11th hour. And when I hear that phrase, 11th hour, um, I start getting stressed. I think back to seminary. I think back to papers being due the next morning, and I'm up 
trying to drink coffee, trying to stay awake, trying to meet the deadline. Perhaps you can relate. Maybe you're trying to get a business deal done or you're trying to finish an assignment for junior high. Maybe you're trying to get the last touches put on the Thanksgiving meal. And you're there at the 11th hour and no one would choose to work hard in the 11th hour, would they? The feeling of working ahead, the feeling of being planned out, feeling of being at ease, but these workers were left there until the 11th hour, and Jesus says that the landowner came out and was like, what are you still doing here? And they said, well, nobody's hired us. And he sends them out into his vineyard to work. And then the end of the day comes, and it's time to get paid. And we know that there's a twist coming in the story because Jesus lines up the day laborers in reverse order. He lines them up in reverse order. The ones who came earlier are going to have to wait to the very end to get paid. And you can almost see them lining up at the edge of a field. And the um, guy who's in charge of giving out the money starts giving out the money. And those who had barely been there long enough to break a sweat approached the table. And what do you think they were expecting? What do you think they were expecting? Imagine you just showed up to work. You've been watching all these other people getting after it, working hard all day. They look like they've been in a field working all day. And there you are. You've, you've barely broken a sweat. I picture myself in junior high baseball where I sat on the bench most of my career. But I wasn't afraid to help myself to the Gatorade in the dugout. Everybody kind of staring at me with an evil eye. What are you doing over there? They're lined up, so the ones at the back, maybe they're looking, maybe they're part of the crowd. And lo and behold, the ones who were hired last get how much? A denaria. Now, is that what is just? Did they earn a day's wage? They did not, did they? They did not get what they had earned, and so for them to hold that denarius probably was a sense of overwhelming joy filling their heart. Wow, this guy is way more generous than we could have anticipated. How in the world would he give us a denarius? And so their hearts probably went home full. And then Jesus skips right over to whom? The ones who were hired first. And as they're watching the people get paid, there's welling up within them this expectation that surely if the ones who came here at the 11th hour, surely I'm going to get more than them. And they come up to the table. And how much do they get? A denarius. And then Jesus, as he's telling the story, says... On receiving it, how did they respond? They grumbled. That word means it's a, like a low mutter. I told Mary as I was preparing this sermon this week that all I could think of when I, when I read that word grumble and low murmur were just children in the back seat. Right? Where are we going to go for lunch today? Chick-fil-A. 
just kind of this grumble in the background, you know. And what does a parent in the front usually do when they, when they hear the grumbling? What did you say? What did you say? Speak up. Right? And there's that awkward moment where they're like, oh, gosh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> right? They're just kind of grumbling in the back, preparing themselves for the lecture that awaits them at not being grateful for having a meal wherever it is, especially if it's out. So they're grumbling. And the master, the landowner, he hears it. He hears it. And he says, what are, what are y'all grumbling about? And they say, these people, they came out here at the last hour of the day. They did not bear the burden of the heat of the day. They did not work like we worked. And they came in here and you gave them the same thing that you agreed to give us. And we have worked and we have worn ourselves out. And surely, surely we deserve, surely you owe us more than what you gave them. And then the landowner, he has this wonderful question. Oh, that the Lord would give me more wisdom as a parent to ask good questions like this. He says, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Didn't we agree for a denarius? When I came to the place to hire you, were you not all happy for that? Were you not all excited that you were going to be hired, that you're going to have a chance to work, that I was going to pay you? We set the terms of the agreement and you agreed to it and I'm delivering on it. Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last worker just like I give to you. And then he asked this question in verse 15. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And the answer is what? Yes, you are. Or do you, this is the way the English Standard Version puts it, or do you begrudge my generosity? Do you begrudge my generosity? Now that is, that's a good question. That's a really good question that the landowner asked because he's getting at this point that those who were hired first ought to have been the kind of people that they were excited, that they were so for the other people who had been brought into the vineyard, that their heart for them would be for them to be able to get the same thing that they've gotten even though they didn't earn it. Do you begrudge my generosity? Now, I will tell you that if I were to find myself in this parable, perhaps not as a land, uh, a worker who had been hired to go out into the field, but at different points in my life, if the Lord had asked me that question, do you begrudge my generosity? Do you know what my heart level true answer would have been? Yes. Yes, I do. And part of it is because I am one of those people that if the expectations are 
turn in these papers in the class and you get the grade and you read the syllabus, I want to earn that thing. And if you come in late or you were sick or whatever, there's a part of me that's saying, too bad for you, right? I earned this. And if the professor just starts handing out A's to everybody just because they show up, there's a part of me that I would, I would begrudge that. Because I worked hard. I earned it. I did it. Perhaps you can relate to that. Perhaps there have been times in your life where you thought that you did it right, you thought that you earned it, you got your just desserts, and then you looked around and somebody not as hardworking as you, not as noble as you, not as upstanding as you, someone who had just come lately, and they got what you thought you deserved, and perhaps they got more than you. Perhaps they got more than you. And with inside your heart, there is this feeling of anger. There is this feeling of resentment. That it wells up and it is really hard to be grateful when that happens in our hearts. It's really hard to be genuinely grateful. I've been convicted as I've studied this passage this week. That the truth of the gospel is that God owes me nothing. God owes me nothing. That I've not done anything to be good enough to earn his salvation. That I've not done anything to merit his favor. That if anything, all that I've done, all that I bring to the equation, are all the reasons that God should not have been gracious to me. All the reasons that God should not have blessed me in the ways that he has. All of the reasons that if God gave me what I deserved, all I would get is punishment. But Jesus' parables often speak to those of us, and I'll put myself in this group, who think that we deserve it, who think we've earned it. And he's telling us to look up and to look to Christ and to acknowledge the grace and the mercy of everything that God has poured out on us through the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to understand that if we find ourselves in this parable, do you know where we are? We're not first, third, sixth, ninth. We are all 11th hour people. Every one of us. And because of what God has done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we have an inheritance that is eternal, imperishable, undefiled, always kept for us in heaven, that you and I count ourselves to be members of God's family, that his Holy Spirit dwells in us, that he has blessed us, with the community of faith that he has given us eternal life through faith in him. And during this Thanksgiving season, I believe that God is calling us to repent of the sins that we have where we are prone to look to the left or to the right or to make all of these judgments about other people and who they are and what they have or what they don't have and look past all of those things and to stand in wonder and amazement 
that God would create us in his image, that he would redeem us through his son, Jesus Christ, and that he would allow us to be a part of his mission in the world. The gospel frees us up from any sense of self-entitlement, from any sense that we've earned anything or that God deserves us, that God owes us anything. And I'm hopeful that for you and I'm hopeful that for me during this Thanksgiving season, I'll be able to acknowledge the manifold ways that I experience God's grace and goodness and kindness in my life. And rather than allowing envy or jealousy or comparison of those around me to rob me of Thanksgiving joy this year, that God would do that work in my heart that I would respond in sincere gratitude for who God is and for all that he's done for me and that he would fill me with so much joy that I would want everybody to experience it. That I want everybody, even those people that you and I might say, oh, they don't deserve it. They haven't done it. They haven't earned it. That God would help us to see them with the same eyes that our Heavenly Father sees us with. And you and I, rather than being jealous, rather than being filled with envy, that you and I would celebrate God's manifold grace and goodness and kindness to us and that we would hope that he would be as generous to everyone else as he's been to us. May it be. May it be this Thanksgiving season that you acknowledge God's goodness and his grace, that you return thanksgiving to him, and that he would use you to be a conduit of his grace and generosity to others. I invite you to pray with me. Father, we are so grateful that you do not give us what we deserve. We are so grateful that there is nothing that we could do to work, to earn your favor, but all that you give us is a reflection of your mercy and your kindness and your grace in our lives. Father, help us to have eyes to see all that you've done for us in Jesus and that you would help us to be so shaped by the gospel and so moved by your generosity that we that we want to see everyone participate in and experience it. Forgive us for being filled with jealousy or envy. Free us up to be joyful. Use us to point others to this same joy and generosity that they can experience through faith in Christ. And we offer this prayer in his holy name. Amen. If you're here this morning and